Welcome to another episode of Live from the Blue Seats. I'm your host, Rob, and I'll be joined, as always, by Dave and Becky. On today's show, we'll discuss the bombshell interview that Matt Zuccarello gave to the Norwegian newspaper last week, in which he had plenty to say about how the Rangers handled his situation and what he thinks of how they're handling uh, Henrik Lundqvist's situation right now. Speaking of Hank, if there are compliance buyouts due to this whole coronavirus thing, should the Rangers use one on him? We'll also discuss the latest rumors about the return of the NHL, as the league has begun vetting sites for a potential return to play in June or July. And we got a fan question, which is really exciting. We'll answer that as well. Uh, Dave and Becky, how are you guys going, doing? Uh, Dave, give us a little quarantine update. How's How are you holding up? I'm alive, which is always good. Um, we are managing here um, video games, Peloton, alcohol, that's usually keeping us sane. Thankfully, we have two TVs so I can play my video games in the bedroom while my wife does something slightly more normal in the living room and only calls me out to socialize when I need to make her a drink. Distance is good sometimes. What's your video game of choice? Um, I've been rotating between the Final Fantasy VII Remake, NHL 20, Jedi The Fall, uh, Fallen Order, and the Batman Arkham series. I've beaten that the batman games a bunch of times but they're really good and i've been rotating between all those i have nothing else to do i also write for the blog every now and then yes we are still pumping out some content on blueseatblogs.com which we always encourage everybody to check out becky how you doing you hanging in there too yeah i'm doing doing great working from home growing a child and watching a lot of tv that's it that's right Becky and I are expecting in September, which is exciting news, um, and now is public to the world. Our our uh, our fans, our listeners, our Twitter followers. So um, we'll expect we'll ex- uh, accept gifts in any form that that they're offered. Uh, all right, so let's get into it, guys. Over the weekend, Norwegian tabloid newspaper VG, which by the way stands for Verdens Gang, translating to the course of the world. Fun fact for everybody there. Uh, They interviewed Matt Zuccarello, who shared his unvarnished take on how the Rangers management is handling the Henrik Lundqvist situation. Spoiler alert, he does not love it. Uh, Zuc also expressed frustration with the fact that the loyalty he showed to the Rangers by agreeing to two cap-friendly deals as a blue shirt was not returned by the team, who obviously traded him at the deadline last season. This was the big story over the weekend, generated a lot of conversation and attention, of course, on one hand, because we don't have any other sports news to pay attention to or games to watch, but also because it's a beloved former player speaking very candidly, which is not something that athletes always do. So, uh, Becky, I want to get your thoughts first here. What was your initial thought uh, in terms of Zuccarello's sort of brutal honesty about his situation, the Henrik Lundqvist thing and the Rangers as a whole? Uh, So it's kind of twofold, right? Because we're discussing, um, on one hand, uh, Zuccarello talking about his own situation with the Rangers, and on the other hand, how he feels the Rangers are treating Henrik Lundqvist. Um, So I'll I'll kind of, uh, I guess, go through it separately. First, I'm going to just say about Henrik, like, you're a professional. 
you pl- happen to play sports for a living, so you have fans who are invested in what you do. And that's that's unique. That's not something that I have to do in my HR world. You know, I don't have someone like, oh, God, Becky's boss really treated her like crap there. That wasn't fair. But I don't find it appropriate for Matt Zuccarello. And furthermore, I can't imagine that Henrik Lundqvist would have wanted Matt Zuccarello to be openly discussing a situation that has been held pretty close to the vest. Um, I know that, you know, there's their quote unquote best friends, which, okay, that's nice. But like, I also, again, wouldn't go out there and call up my best friend's, you know, organization and in a publication that I knew was going to get to the everyone and say, oh, God, they didn't give her a raise. They didn't do this. They're really treating her badly. Like, it's just on so many levels, it's unprofessional, which I think is hard for us to remember because sports Oftentimes, we don't think about it as a business. On the um, Matt Zuccarello's upset how they treated him, I mean, that's like laughable to me. I don't, I think it's funny that people are so upset about this because if you had, if you have people who on one hand are like complaining because they give, uh, they gave Mark Stahl a great contract and, you know, a, a, a player friendly contract. But those same people are saying that they should have given Zuccarello the deal that he has now. I mean, like, you can't have it both ways. I mean, you can, but, like, you kind of sound like an idiot. So, I mean, in his best season and his year, his age 28 season, Zuccarello had 61 points, and that's really good. And then in his 29 season, he had 59 points. So, or, yeah, he had 59 points. I'm sorry. It's kind of losing my mind here. I don't think that's the kind of player who then at age 31, you say, hey, we should really invest in a six to seven year deal for this, this guy and really give him more money because he was he was taking a a player friendly or I'm sorry, a cap friendly, uh, team friendly bridge deal or two bridge deals or, you know, what have you. I just think that people who think that way that's fine if you feel that way, but I'm also really glad those people are not my GM. And that's it. That's my feelings. Dave, how did you feel when this news came came up? So it is rare that we see the person behind the hockey player. And I get it from a personal standpoint. Zook's pissed. He wanted to be a Ranger. He wanted to retire a Ranger. He He's upset about how his friend is being treated. I get it. It's the personal side of things. But you know what? Like Becky said, the Rangers should not have been giving Zuccarello $6 million a year when he was 31 years old for five years. Yes, the counterpoint there is Chris Kreider. But Kreider's a little bit in a different mold and not in the same situation because of when the contracts expired. Zuc's right. contract expired a year before. And... When Zook's contract expired, the Rangers did not have Adam Fox in fold. They did not get the second overall pick. They did not trade for Jacob Truba. All three of those things happened after the fact. And those three things changed the trajectory of the Rangers' rebuild. We don't know if the Rangers were going to re-sign Kreider before all that happened and before they went on that ridiculous run in February. We have no idea because they didn't re-sign him until March. For all we know, they were looking to trade him until they won basically every game scoring 900 goals. So 
For Zook and his Rangers feelings, fine. You love New York. I'm sorry. We still love you. We don't hate you. I get it. This is also none of your freaking business to say anything about Lundqvist when Lundqvist himself hasn't said anything, and we still have no idea what they're doing. Lundqvist is a known commodity that is expiring in one year, 39 years old. He's done. He's off the shelves. Kick him to the curb for all I care. Let his contract run out. The Rangers have to make a decision between Shesterkin and Georgiev. They're the future. That's the decision they need to make. Hank taking a backseat so the Rangers can figure this shit out is fine by me. Yeah. It sucks because Hank, I, I am incredibly biased when it comes to any kind of Hank analysis. But trading one of Shesterkin or Georgiev is going to happen, whether it's this offseason, next season, or next offseason. It's going to happen. The Rangers can't afford to keep both. So figure out what you got in both of them and make the freaking decision now. And I'm trying so hard not to drop F-bombs. Well, the other thing to that point, Dave, is that, you know, Zuccarello really went out of his way to make this whole sort of grandiose argument argument about how Lundqvist is one of the greatest of all time, which he is. He is, uh, had he won a cup, he doesn't think they, that this decision would even be, uh, this discussion would even be happening. Maybe He is maybe right not. there. I mean, team... He is right there. Yeah, but if you want a couple but, wouldn't be Yeah, but I think But I think the larger point is the Rangers know that he's an all-time franchise great and they they are not then they knew that with Brian Leach and a good friend of ours and uh Jessica Jess uh, Lynn Jessica Lynn 312 on Twitter you may know her as said today I mean this team traded Brian Leach on his birthday um and they were able to mend fences. The guy came back to MSG. He worked for the team for a little bit. Obviously, his number is retired. Same thing's going to happen for Lundqvist. Unfortunately, and this is the thing about sports, that um, as I've gotten older, I've been able to sort of keep in the back of my mind is that this stuff rarely ends well. It rarely ends with uh, a victory tour or a, or a retirement tour. And by the way, when there is a retirement tour, a la Derek Jeter, that usually means what you're doing is you're punting on that current season because what the Yankees did the year Derek Jeter retired was they willfully batted the worst player on their team second the whole season to honor his retirement. And fine, they, they basically decided we're the New York Yankees. We are going to waste an entire season so that Derek Jeter can get his farewell. And they still made a billion do dollars. I don't, well, right. I, but I also don't want, the Rangers shouldn't do that. They should not be in the business of giving guys proper send-offs. They're in the business and should be in the business of winning hockey games. And Lundqvist had a good year. And I think you could make the argument that he could have and should have played more. But to, like you said, Dave, they needed to find out whether it was Georgiev or Shesterkin, because if Shesterkin came up to the NHL and flopped, they would have had a real decision to make. And you need to build up a sample size in order to properly evaluate somebody, right? That's what I mean. And also to build up trade value. Nobody's going to trade for a player that started four games. Exactly. And no one's going to trade for Henrik Lundqvist right now, given the contract. So they had to do what they did. And I honestly think they handled the situation really well, which was going to be my my next question to to both of you which is, do we think Henrik Lundqvist is being treated unfairly at all in this situation? I don't think he is, but maybe one of you feels differently. Becky, Dave, either you jump in here, but I don't think he's being treated unfairly. With what we know, I don't think that's the case. I don't think he's being treated unfairly. 
with the caveat of we don't know everything. For all we know, you know, Jeff Gordon could be, you know, holding Hank's dog hostage and punting him every time Henrik threatens to complain, for all for all we know. <laughs> uh, best I can come up with in a very wordy, hungover argument. <laughs> um, I, I mean, I think it's, like, it's definitely sad when you see him on the bench and, you know, et cetera. But, Although um, sad Hank I'd, gifts need to stop. Good Lord. Yeah. I mean, I don't think that they're treating him unfairly because, again, this is a business. And, again, you know, I think everything that you and Dave, you, Rob, and Dave have said, it's true. You know, like, you need to see what you have in Shesterkin. You need to build up the trade value of Georgiev. I mean, I thought they probably should have traded Georgie, but that's neither here nor there. Um, And, like... You just can't do it. And I, I wonder, too, if they would have given him, like, a, pro- a more proper send-off, so to speak. I don't know if it's really a send-off because I don't know that he's not going to come back next year. But, um, you know, the the last game of the season, I'm sure they would have played Henrik Lundqvist. But, hey, we don't really have that opportunity now because COVID's obnoxious. Also, back to what we were talking about with the case with Zuccarello and how everything changed for the Rangers Shesterkin being called up and succeeding was not something they planned on. Hence, it altered what they were doing. And I totally forgot about, you know, signing Artemi Panarin. Totally forgot. Right, that was a big one too. So Zook has no right to be pissed, for starters. And second, with Hank, yeah, the sad Hank gifts are horrible and they hit us at the feels. But he's not being treated unfairly as far as we know. He's making $8.5 million. He's basically royalty in two countries at this point. His wife is gorgeous. Uh, um, Beautiful family. Yeah, his kids are coming from two beautiful people, and that's really not fair to the rest of us in the world. (laughs) You know, they're gonna they're gonna be perfect looking kids and adults, and it's just really not fair. Can we have some of those genes, please? It's like the fact that Justin Justin Timberlake, in addition to being a really talented musician, is also a scratch golfer. Drives me completely nuts. Really. Yes, he he like shoots even par when he plays golf, Son which is just bitch. absurd. Yeah, why does why why do all the people get all the talent? So, um, listen, I think that that's uh, that's kind of I think we're kind of in agreement here. The other only last point I wanted to make was, I think it's great that the players develop these type of relationships, and it makes the team more cohesive. It makes the team easier to root for. I think that's what people loved about Zuccarello was the fact that. He was a passionate player. He also cared about his teammates. He sacrificed for the team. And yeah, it just it, that it makes these guys easy to root for. But, you know, a lot of those intangible characteristics are also the things that we are warned against valuing too much, right? Um, because the same could be set, said for Mark Stahl. Mark Stahl is, by all accounts, a great leader, great in the locker room, great attitude, very funny guy, always talks to the media, well-liked among his teammates, same thing with Dan Girardi. And all we heard for five years was, well, you shouldn't really care about that stuff because you're overvaluing the intangibles and look at what the production is on ice, right? So, But when it comes to Zuccarello, everybody has a soft spot because of the intangibles. And it's I find a little bit of inconsistency and sort of a double standard in that argument. And now look, Zuccarello is a gr- really, really good hockey player. But to Becky's point as well, 55, 60 points a year at his prime, at the, at his, the peak of his performance – the Rangers were right not to pay him whatever it ended up being, $6 million a year uh, moving forward once he was past the age of 31. So, 
I mean, I think that that's that's kind of it uh, on that one, and I'm sure this will blow over as uh, as we get back to normal and hopefully can watch some hockey. So, um, and you know, one of the things, by the way, and we'll kind of jump into the next segment here with Lundqvist is, you know, there is the possibility that uh, trading him is an option, just letting him play out the last year of his contract, but there is the third potential option, which is a compliance buyout, potentially. So, you know, NHL revenues and salary cap are probably going to take a really big hit due to the coronavirus. In past seasons where something like that has happened, usually due to lockouts, the NHL has allowed compliance buyouts for every team, right? Basically, uh, what those are, unlike the buyouts that teams use every year under the CBA, which come with those massive cap penalties, a la Kevin Shattenkirk, a compliance buyout does not have any cap penalties. It's basically a free out to um, the contract. So Dave, you posed this question to a few of us. If there are compliance buyouts, obviously a big if, but I think that's a very real possibility. Where, where should the Rangers go with that? And I think we all might have some thoughts here because there's three prime candidates. There's Brendan Smith, Mark Stahl, and Henrik Lundqvist, who are all under contract for next season, all have big cap hits, and are all pretty much you know, performing underneath the value of their current contract. So, Becky, I'll start with you. Of those three players, or maybe you want to throw a curveball in there, who do you think the Rangers, if they had a free sort of compliance buyout, who should they use it on and why? Okay, I don't think that they should use it on him. I just want to be very clear, but you could add Jacob Truba to that list. Yes, um, you could. Uh, probably on Henrik. I'd wow. probably use it on Henrik. Yeah. I mean, I think, listen, the reason for this is not because I hate him or I think he's useless or anything like that. It's more so because he, if we're being honest, he probably is unhappy not playing that often. And I don't think that you allow him to play over 50% or even even 50% of the games next year um, just to appease him. At this point, he is the backup to Shesterkin. It's Shesterkin's team. So... If you want to have that real conversation with him and say, like, hey, would you be happier playing elsewhere? We'll, but we'll use this buyout on you. Like, why not? Dave? I hate this question, but because Becky said Hank, I'm going to just provide a different point of view. This is the same one that I said in the post when it went up a couple days ago. You have to assume... Georgiev is getting traded at some point, which means the Rangers will need a backup. And assuming Hank says, I want to be in New York no matter what, don't buy me out, and he's okay with being a backup, then who better to be the backup and mentor to Shesterkin than his idol? So with that, you assume Brendan Smith is not being bought out. You assume the Rangers aren't going to sacrifice a first-round pick for one year of Jacob Truba, even though that contract after one year is looking to be a little bit rough. The only answer is stall. And that opens up a whole other question of who's going to replace him on left defense because the Rangers legitimately have no one. But (laughs) seriously, there's nobody on left defense right now. It's a little bit crazy. But... It's either Stahl or Hank at this point. And I will go to my grave saying Mark Stahl, prime Mark Stahl with two eyes, is one of the best defensemen in the league. Wow, that's a take. 20 
2008 to 2011 12. I don't know exactly when that injury happened. He was the shutdown guy. Every time, I just have vivid memories of Stahl, of Ovechkin cutting across the far circle and Stahl just ragdolling him to the ground. He just takes one arm and shoves him to the ground. And that happened a lot, especially in the playoffs early on. And. You know, I have been ragging on Stahl for a while, but he was a premier shutdown defenseman in his prime. And if he still had two eyes, you don't know what he would have been or how the he would have evolved with the game. Yeah. I know I kind of he went off also... on a tangent from compliance buyouts, but yeah. It's, no, I mean, no, it's no. I, well, he could all... He could also really skate. I mean, if you look at some old clips, there's a couple of goals he scored early in his career where he took the puck end-to-end the way, you know, he's not as gifted a skater as D'Angelo or Fox or those guys, but moving pretty well for a guy his size and and created offense as well. So, no, I agree with you. I think injuries and just heavy usage really took a toll. He obviously got a lot of difficult matchups throughout the years, but did a hell of a job. Um, You want a hot take? You want a hot take? Yeah, I do. Tortorella killed the careers of Stahl and Girardi. I think that's a f- that's a that's a take. I, I can see where you're going with this, but you uh, should you I, should not Girardi. Girardi thrived under Tortorella. So all I think the all without... the block shots. I mean, playing well, eighty seven minutes he played a game. Well, though, that's 80... how he played well. That's what made him special, and not just like a you know average defenseman. Because then in in AV's you know, uh, lineup like or and you know that the the I really have trouble thinking of words lately. I'm sorry, but in his style of pregnancy. play, it yeah it is. <laughs> um, uh, in his style of play, like you know he Girardi was not gifted, but he played really well under Tortorella. I do agree though about Stahl. And I think the I think you know just the usage and the block shots. It, it I think it probably shortened their primes. I, I think it's definitely fair to say that it took a lot out of those guys. And they also went on you know multiple long playoff runs starting in you know two thousand eleven twelve um, with five so you defensemen ended up with mostly. The, I mean, remember when Stu Bickle played four minutes in a triple overtime game? Yes, <laughs> I remember it well. <laughs> it's it's true. I mean, in terms of the buyout, um, I would fall. So if it's either Stahl or Lundqvist and I'm the tie-breaking vote, I'm going Henrik Lundqvist, and I'll, I'll tell you why. I think he probably wants to go somewhere else at this point because if we're reading between the lines and if we are to trust Matt Zuccarello as a source of information, he's not happy with the way things have been handled. He wants to play more. He still feels he has more left to give. And... If he is willing to, if he wants to sort of decide his own fate and go sign wherever he wants, and there are teams that I think would pay him a reasonable uh, amount of money and, and take a flyer on a one or two year deal for him at a, at a much lower cap hit than eight and a half million dollars, eight and a half million dollars against a salary cap that is stable at eighty one point five million dollars next year makes a massive difference to the Rangers. And Dave, you wrote about some of the implications of the cap not going up next year, uh, particularly on on D'Angelo and Strom, but they really uh, get buying out Lundqvist gives them obviously a lot of room. And what I'll say about the backup goalie thing is they have Benoit Allaire and the Rangers will be able to find a scrap heap goalie. They also have a very deep 
uh, farm system, by the way, in terms of goalies. They have Tyler Wall down there. Um, they have that guy Olaf Lindbaum that they drafted. So there are goalies in the, in the pipeline as well. Um, they could go out and get a backup, and that backup would probably perform at an above-league average level with Ben Waller coaching them. So I'm really not concerned about the backup goalie position, especially if you're paying $950,000 for it, which is probably what they would be. Um, look, again, I mean, maybe I'm just too cold-hearted here, but I don't want my team to be in the business of giving guys victory parades or, you know, uh, retirement uh, parades. I just think that he will get his jersey hung from the rafters, he will be an honored guest at Madison Square Garden whenever he wants. I think there's a way to handle this so that you don't totally alienate the guy and have it become an estranged relationship. But I think that there can be a very real adult conversation with an athlete that wants to play and probably understands that he'll play more elsewhere. So, you know, it hurts to say it, but I think Lung- if there is a compliance buyout, Lundquist is probably the guy that they should use it on. That sucks. That sucks. This is going to go over really well. I can't wait. Hey, listen, this we're full of hot takes here and you know, that's that's what makes it good and we we'd love to hear uh hear feedback, of course. Also, we'll I would like to the uh when, uh, I, at the end. Go ahead, Dave. I am pulling up the receipts on that round table I did cuz I'm pretty sure both of your answers changed. You're I probably didn't right. Uh uh Becky, you did not answer. That's true. Um, I wrote stall, I think. Yeah, you wrote, I could absolutely see it being Lundquist, and it's kind of defensible, but it should absolutely be stall. I have the receipts. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, well, I did say it was defensible, so I defended it. What do you want from me? (laughs) I like to stir shit up. Yeah, no, it's, hey, listen, you do have the receipts, and that, that was posted, right? So people can go and read it. And I'm happy to put my hand up and say, upon further review, I've changed my mind. Um but no, it's it's an interesting question. Also, again, this comes with the massive caveat that there may not be compliance buyouts, and that's you know that's just a that's that's an issue that will kind of cross that bridge when we get there. Um, all right, so let's move on because we got a lot to talk about still to restarting the league and how that might happen. So, according to Larry Brooks in the New York Post, my favorite beat writer, heavy sarcasm there. The NHL and NHLPA have formed a joint return to play committee to explore how and when the league might resume play once it is safe to do so. Brooks reports that while details have yet to be discussed, the committee is exploring a four arena plan in cities that have not seen a high concentration of coronavirus cases. Obviously, this plan would be heavily reliant on constant testing of all players, officials, team and in arena and in arena staff and would need to ultimately be approved by local governing bodies and public health agencies. The Athletic also did a report, I think on Friday, uh, where they kind of ranked the potential host cities. Columbus, Toronto, Edmonton, Minneapolis, St. Paul were all kind of in the tier one category. So um, with all the talk of reopening, and this is not a political podcast, but we can sort of dance around the edges of the wider implications of this. Um, Let's talk about if this would work, how it would work, why or why not. Uh, Dave, what, are you, what, are you, what is your sense about kind of doing these regional sites where, you know, uh, the, the divisions basically all get together and play their games in the same arena, uh, maybe two or three games a day, and then they're all practicing at different facilities in the immediate area? Do you think this it could work? This is stupid. This is stupid. So we all know how bad the ice is at MSG when the Rangers play at night and the Knicks play in the day. So you're going to put three hockey games on back-to-back-to-back? To back to back? 
and expect three NHL quality games. And not only that, but you're I'm looking at these cities, Columbus, Ohio is, I don't know where they stand with coronavirus outbreaks, but if I remember correctly, they Ohio did have a decent chunk. I don't know Canadian. They were very numbers. hard hit early on. They, they it were was very early hard on, hit early on. Which yeah. means their wave 2 is going to be earlier on, so September-ish. Toronto, big urban area, big risk. Edmonton, I mean, nobody lives in Edmonton. Um, wow, that was harsh. <laughs> well, it's, it is a small city. It's a little <laughs> that more was remote. Harsh. I think that that's, that's fair. That's yeah, uh, harsh. Hard, tough but fair. Minneapolis, St. Paul. Uh, uh, I don't know. How, Minnesota just had a couple of protests by the anti-vaxxer crowd, which I, I don't care how political you are. Anti-vaxxers are stupid. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't care if you're taking offense to if you're an anti-vaxxer listening to this and you get upset because I called you stupid. You're stupid. Um, Dave is a man of the people. <laughs> yes, yeah, like you know what? I'm a man of the people. I want some herd immunity. Get your vaccines. So I wholeheartedly agree with you. Uh, this is stupid. They are grasping at straws because there's going to be a wave two out of this. This is just how history is. The Spanish flu had a wave one, a wave two, swine flu, same thing. We're going to have a second wave and trying to cram this in when we know it's coming is stupid. And now if let's say June 1st, we start everything up. We need six weeks to finish the season. We need another six weeks for the playoffs. We need another six weeks for the off season, 18 weeks. We're starting the next season in October, uh, November, December. And they said they're not going to shorten the season. All this to get that extra hockey revenue so we don't have to kill the kill escrow or kill the salary cap. Just kill it. Pronounce the time of death. Let us move on and plan for next season. That's a very, very long-winded agree. answer. I think for... that was really brilliant, Dave. I totally agree with you. Um, I think it's ridiculous. And just to add like one more level of how stupid this is. So you're... Um, you're going to have teams essentially just playing their own division. I mean, you can't play the the games out the way that they were supposed to be played out because teams are going to be in different areas. So, like, you know, yeah. Rangers are in Toronto and they need to play, I don't know, the Coyotes. Uh, and they, you know, the Coyotes are playing in Edmonton. So then what? They're just going to play like the Flyers again? That I don't I don't really want to watch that. I don't want to look at Elaine Vigneault. So. They're better off simming <laughs> NHL 20 with the current rosters and just doing it that way. I agree. Just And I've said, I mean, listen, like we've been talking about this for a while. I've said this from the beginning. I think you just play next season. Like, just call it a wash. Like Dave said, pronounce time of death. And like, it's fine. Like, it's you know, it's weird. And it's a really weird time. And it's a weird time for every... <laughs> Every single thing on earth that was once normal is weird now. So it's not like unusual for the NHL. Just call it. It's okay. We'll be we'll be fine without the playoffs this year. We could do next year. And like, yeah, take make the salary cap cut like or or keep it stable. Like don't increase it. It's going to be tough, but it is what it is. So I'll play devil's advocate because it, partly out of it would be boring if I just agreed, but also partly because, you know, I do feel Um, I feel somewhat, first of all, desperate for sports to return. And I do think that there is value to it if it can be done safely. 
I mean, the NFL just did their draft and it was a, I mean, I'm not the biggest football fan, but they did huge ratings and it was a, it was a moment of coming together. They actually did a really good job with the production. There were, there were no uh, technical issues really, which is a pretty massive accomplishment. I think ESPN deserves a massive amount of credit for pulling it off the way they did. Um, Didn't the WNBA draft also have high ratings? Because I believe the number one overall pick had her jersey sell out in like three minutes after the draft. Yeah, Sabrina Ionescu, who was drafted by Liberty. I was going to butcher the last name, thank you. Yeah, Sabrina Ionescu. And also, everybody was kind of laughing at the fact that uh, the the Knicks and Rangers have had like one combined number one overall pick, you know, ever, and it was Patrick Ewing. Um, as soon as the Liberty were sold by MSG, because they're no longer owned by James Dolan or or MSG, um, they got the number one pick because, you know, James Dolan is a curse upon everything he touches. So um, <laughs> the Liberty are freed and they get the number one overall pick and they're probably going to win a bunch of championships now. Um, no, the WNBA, the, the WNBA did a draft and... And yes, that that uh, that was watched and and it was talked about highly. Sabrina was on the back page of the New York Post, which is a massive accomplishment for a local female athlete. So props to the New York Post for for putting her on the back page where she belongs uh, and belonged, frankly. Um, but it, but yeah, obviously, look, the NFL massively popular. The, the football is the number one sport, and you know it was fifty five million total viewers over the four days. It was like fifteen or sixteen million viewers for the. Uh, night one of the draft on Thursday in prime time. So um, regardless of that, um, I do think that there is going to be enough science and testing and everybody's going to understand social distancing to the point that there will be a responsible reopening of stuff. There needs to be. And I think, you know, even Andrew Cuomo, who's been a beacon of clear-eyed information throughout this whole thing, has said, we, we really just can't look people in the face and seriously say to them, it might be like this all summer. It's just not a viable option. You need to give people a structure under which to somewhat resume normal activity. So, and this again is hugely contingent upon testing. And, and I say that as the number one point because you can't have a situation where the Rangers have to run 200 coronavirus tests every seven days uh, while people that need them can't get them. This assumes that we get testing up to a capacity that enables this. But if you can test everybody and if you can isolate the cases, then I think you can play. And I think there is value to playing. Um, Becky's absolutely right. And I think that's one of the super wonky things about this plan. They would have to change the schedule entirely because the Rangers, if you look at who they were supposed to play, they were supposed to play Phoenix, Calgary. They had a couple of other games in there against teams that are not in the Metropolitan Division. So yes, that, that is very, very weird. And I don't know how you address things like competitive balance when you say to a team like the Rangers on the playoff line, oh, hey, you were supposed to have these games, but now you have these games. You have to play the Flyers twice more. That's actually a huge disadvantage to the Rangers because A, the Flyers are good, and B, it's a terrible matchup for them as we saw in the games they played against them this year. So, you know, look, I think, but I hear what you guys are saying. And I was saying the same thing a, a few weeks ago when we were kind of in the throws of this thing right when it started it just didn't seem possible to even think about sports but i think that baseball is going to try and play they basically came out and said there will be baseball in 2020 today jeff passan from espn reported that the nfl is going to play you know uh, and again empty stadiums uh you know uh 
tournament style schedules with multiple games a day. I mean, Dave, you, you talked about that as being a problem. I'm not so sure. I mean, Minnesota has hosted the Frozen Four and they do multiple games a day uh, during those tournaments. So I think that that's when not an issue. As long as... Yeah, no, that's fair. And that's for fair. college. Yeah, the yeah, NHL is held to like, a higher quality. To... Look, I don't, I'm not trying to pretend like my job is like the most important job in the entire world, but like I work during the day i can't sit and watch like a ranger game from 1 to 3 30 on a tuesday i have calls i have stuff to do like and again i am like not i mean i'm i understand that i'm not that important in my organization i'm not sitting here pretending like i'm the ceo of a you know fortune 500 but like i can't afford to do that every day and like i don't i mean i guess viewership will probably be really high in the beginning but like and, and unemployment's very high. I'm sorry. That was really short-sighted of me to even say. But, like, for for a fan like myself who's lucky enough to still be working and be able to be working remote and may wind up back in the office sometime soon, it's going to be impossible for me to watch. Becky, you're the CEO of the Saletti household. Don't ever forget that. I think Sophie's the CEO. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> She's opened the door. We're in separate rooms, obviously. She's opened and closed the door. This is the fourth time. She's doing it right now. And she just opened the door herself. She's checking in on the uh, podcast recording. She wants to make sure it's all going well, like a good CEO walking the floor. Yeah, this is why cats are evil, by the way. Never get a cat. All they do is spy on you and learn to open doors. It's terrible. Terrible, terrible, terrible. Dave, I'm a cat Howard Beach and and stab you right now. I am (laughs) that cranky. Okay, I I just (laughs) want to point out, my people, the ancient Egyptians worshipped cats and you never trust an animal that was worshipped by the ancient egyptians never you, you just don't <laughs> is that do like a, a piece of like well-known knowledge like is there like a story i'm missing here dave's just previewing the uh the history of the ancient egyptians uh, offshoot podcast we're gonna start as part of the blue <laughs> well they Pogs also invented it's hockey, like ken burns so. they, they invented hockey <laughs> so we're good there ken burns ancient egypt <laughs> Slash by Dave Shapiro. <laughs> so, listen, it's a. Uh, like I said, I think I was doing a little bit of devil's advocate there. Plus, I am desperate for sports. I really like watching old games. I'm one of these people who like will YouTube random Ranger clips when I'm bored. But um, I think I'm, it's getting old turning on MSG and seeing, you know, games from like 1999. So, I definitely really want hockey to come back. I want any sport to come back, really as long as it's done responsibly, of course. Uh, and I do think, again, this is part of responsibly reopening the the country and trying to get back to some semblance of normal. So we'll see how it goes. Um, obviously, all these plans are fluid. And, and, you know, Larry, to his credit in his uh, article, did say that, you know, these are very preliminary discussions and no details have been, have been discussed. But we'll keep our eye on it and see. Um, all right, so let's close with a fan question. We did get one, and it is from Anthony... Cacchioli, I believe is how you say that with my Italian. His Twitter handle is at Cacchioli, C-A-C-C-H-I-O-L-I 25. His question is, after the 2021 season when Lundqvist, Stahl, and Smith's contracts are all off the books one way or another, depending on who's available in the defenseman UFA market, can you see the Rangers going after a high-profile name since they have a need for a number one left-handed defenseman Dave, before we started recording, you were perusing the uh, options for left-handed defensemen available over the next year or two. And uh, what did you find? What do you think uh, the Rangers will do here? Because it's it's a good question from Anthony. And I do think that 
as we talked about earlier, this is a massive area of need for them. Yeah. Um, there's not much on the UFA market in terms of left-handed defensemen. I mean, there's the wrong Riley. There, there's nobody. <laughs> not Morgan. Not Morgan. Mike Riley. The, if I remember correctly, the undrafted defenseman free agent that everybody really wanted, and it turned out he wasn't all that good. So I'm actually in the wrong here. I'm looking at season free agent by 2021, 2022 is the year I want to look ah. at. Right, yeah. You want people yes. who become free agents yes. on July 1, 2021. So the biggest name is what? Ryan Murray as a lefty. Uh, let's see. Jonas Brodeen is terrible. Alec Martinez is old. And also horrible. I hate him. Uh, yeah, he's, he's not ben, good anymore. The one that doesn't know nope. that is okay. Uh, bunting mocks apparently. Um, so there are no big nobody. swings there, though. There, yeah, there's nobody. There's no guy with any kind of pedigree becoming available. There's no, you know, Artemi Panarin type, but a defenseman basically. There's just no big ticket left-handed defenseman free agent on the market come July 2021, correct? Hey, Mark Mathot is going to be a free agent. Becky loves Mark Mathot. Yeah. I think he officially retired. Oh, I don't okay, know. Per, per Instagram he did, but um, <laughs> I don't. I haven't seen any like press release from the stars or whoever. Blast from the past. The wrong Justin Falk is a free agent as well. <laughs> the wrong. Didn't they try him? Didn't the Rangers sign the wrong Justin Falk? Yes, they traded for him. It was like a sixth round pick. It was the wrong Falk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I remember that. That's it. I mean, there's nobody. But there's a lot of decent expiring contract RFAs this year that the Rangers with cap space if they go a buyout route or free up cap space can target you know we got Gavrikov out of Columbus we got specifically Sir Mikhail Sergachev in Tampa mm-hmm. uh Hayden Fleury although I don't know how he stands on the blue line Sammy Niku uh the wrong Sebastian Ajo I just Ajo I just wanted to point that out <laughs> There's a lot of guys with the same name in the NHL. Never really realized yeah. that. So the two names, though, that really stood out to me that might be fits based off of where the teams are, uh, well, one specifically in terms of Calgary needing a goalie and some scoring depth is Oliver... Uh, Rob, help me out here. Shillington. Shillington. It I looks say... like Kylington, but it's actually Shillington because he's so Swedish. Shillington. And I only know that because I probably was watching the NHL network when there were games on, and that's how they said his name. And I was just as surprised as you are when I told you, or you are when I told you 45 minutes ago. Yep. So he's a name that comes up, and he's a young former second-round pick who just finally stuck in the NHL this year. Um uh, 48 games, 257, uh, with the AHL last, the prior season, 728 and 35 in 62 games. So there's potential there. I mm-hmm. can see the Rangers making a play there, especially if they're dangling somebody like Strom and Georgiev. Um, Vince Dunn out of St. Louis is the other one that really caught my eye. Vince Dunn is good. Yeah, yeah, that would be the guy. That would but be, that would don't be freaking Georgiev. awesome. They don't need Georgiev. That's the only thing. Who are their goalies? 
the Blues, they have, uh, what's his face? Uh, Bennington. Right, right. And they, don't, they wouldn't want to get Georgiev as a backup. Not a young yeah. backup. And their forward depth is something. I mean, they got Ryan O'Reilly, Steen, Jane Schwartz, Bradenshen, Bozak for another year, uh, Perron for another two years, uh, Oscar Sundquist. You know, yeah. their forward Steen they're kind of low. are getting old. Yeah, they're kind of getting old, I was going to say. Arawar is only 29. Steen's 36. Really? Yeah, Arawar is only 29. Oh my god, he looks like he's like 38. That's because he doesn't oh, shave. That, that beard, yeah. And he, and and he throws through Tim Hortons. Steen is definitely old, though. Steen's 36. And there was like a big mutiny about like Petrangelo and how people wanted to get rid of him last. I was like, really, guys? Petrangelo's only 30. First half of the year. I know, well, he had a terrible first half of the year. Yeah. So people like wanted his head. I'm like, he can come to the Rangers. I'll take him. Yeah, I'll take I'll take Petrangelo. Yeah, if if they if, if he's surplus to needs in St. Louis, he could come right over here. Yeah. Uh, I mean, but, I'm looking at St. Louis and their blue line: Petrangelo, Pareko, the right Justin Falk, Scandella, mm-hmm. uh, Marco Scandella signed for oh wow for a while. They got another year <laughs> of Carl Gunnarsson, um, Bortozzo. Portuzo, whatever, and mm-hmm. Vince Dunn. I mean, there's not much there, and I think they have the cap space for him. They do. Especially yeah. Since he's well, maybe you could, but maybe, yeah. I mean, that would be that, that would be awesome. But, but I, I would imagine you're right, Dave, that he's pr- most likely part of their future, and they would not part with him for some sort of package centered around Ryan Strom. Although I do think that they... There's two things there. There's the fact that Strom is going to be coveted. I know people... A lot of people think it's, you know, smoke and mirrors and it's Panarin, but I think the guy deserves credit. I think he had a heck of a year and he really, you know, he really um, did improve. You know, I I don't think that he was simply um, riding Panarin's coattails because guys have been in those types of roles before and haven't produced. And Strom did. He's a good enough offensive player that put in the right situation uh, can be really, really productive. So, and, you know, I think that he found a, a role and he found a home and I think he fits as a ranger. Uh, and I think he deserves credit for that. Um, now, if you are going to turn around and try and trade that, right, capitalize on him as a an asset at, at its peak value, then, yeah, I do think teams will come calling. But I don't think St. Louis is going to be that interested in that. The, the other thing I was going to say, though, is that maybe J.D. still has some connections there. I know he was there a long time ago, but he did help build a lot of that roster. He might have put some of that infrastructure in place. So maybe there's a deal to be made there, but they would have, probably have to get pretty creative. So I went back to the Shillington thing, looking at Calgary. Um, their centers right now, boring Sean Monahan, um, <laughs> Michael Sorry. Backlund. Okay. Michael Backlund is their two C. Um, mm-hmm. Actually, no, Elias Lindholm is still uh, Lindholm is center and a winger. I'm not sure where they play him, quite honestly. But you know, after that, it's Derek Ryan. Mark Jankowski, uh, Dylan Dubé has potential, but they don't have anybody at center. And if Lindholm can play wing, Strom would fit in there. And then yep. on the blue line, uh, spe- specifically on the left side, they got Giordano for another two years. They got Noah Hannafin. Um, and then Derek Forbord and Eric Gustafson are both UFAs at 28 years old. I don't know where they stand on those two. But then they also have TJ yeah. Brody, who is a free agent. Travis Hamannick is a free agent. They have Rasmus Anderson signed. So it makes you wonder where, Sh- and 
Mike's Michael Stone, but I don't think he's. I think he's an afterthought. It makes you wonder if they can upgrade at goalie, specifically a 24-year-old goalie in Georgiev and dangling Shillington, who might be expendable. There might be a deal to be made yeah. there. Yeah, that's a good shout. And Shillington profiles, you know, like a Ranger type of guy. You know, um, you know, he's the type of defenseman they've drafted over the last, you know, few drafts here as they've tried to re. Uh, restock the the cupboard in terms of prospects at defense and obviously look I mean it, it is it does look a little bare now for the Rangers although Lindgren I think is you know projects as a pretty solid second pair left-handed defenseman but they traded Shea um, they're rolling with Mark Stahl right now and I can't even remember oh Brendan Smith had been playing left D with with uh, with Shea leaving so um, but Ke'Andre Miller's coming up and then there is always the remote possibility of moving someone to the left side, whether it's Fox or, or D'Angelo. Uh, although it doesn't look like they really want to do that. They seem to be really stuck on playing guys on their strong side, which I know is a real, stupid, uh, stupid, real, yeah, stupid. real, really bothers Dave. Play your best players. They're NHL players. Tony D'Angelo will be fine on the left side. It'll be the first thing he does. That's on the left side of things. He might be better on the left side, to be honest with you, too, with his style of game. So, with, you know, yeah. being able to cut in on his forehand. That was a smart joke, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> Becky, you sound so surprised. <laughs> I'm, like, really impressed right now. You've done good. Thank you. Uh, for the record, guys, in 15 years, that's the first time I've ever actually impressed Becky. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> taking true. this one. No, your keg seat buckling skills are really impressive, too. Wow. Do we need to know the story for that, or should we save that for another time? <laughs> there, it's not really a, a story. Sto- just every time he had a party, I would go with him to Pennsylvania to get a keg, and he would always make sure safety was first for the keg in the back seat. Uh, I buckle <laughs> it up. And you know what? Were those kegs ever fizzy or foamy? No. Yeah, exactly. They're always true. great. It's a science. When they roll around in the trunk, they you can't drink them for like six hours. Yep. It's a science. Uh, again, I'm writing science. my analysis. And we all know we should be listening to science right now. All right, guys. <laughs> great show. Any final thoughts before we head out? Always buckle up your kegs. And wash your hands. All right. <laughs> Live from the Blue Seats is a production of Blue Seat Blogs. Please make sure to subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. We're currently available on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Play, and hosted on Acast. If you can spare a minute, please leave us a rating and a review as it helps other fans find the show. Follow us on Twitter at Blue Seats Live and check out blueseatblogs.com, the longest-running fan site for all things Rangers, from news and opinion to video analysis and so much more. For Dave and Becky, this is Rob signing off. Stay safe, stay home. We will see you next time.